For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Blitz Podcast on Mile High Sports. My name is Sean Drotar. You can follow me on Twitter at S-D-R-O-T-A-R. Of course, you can also find me on air every afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. with my co-host Sandy Clough. Following that uh, program, of course, sometimes you will hear this man, Cody Rourke. Cody Rourke NFL on Twitter. And Cody, uh, thank you for joining us. Of course, you've been out at Dove Valley uh, the whole time we did this uh, last time during OTAs. OTAs now uh, are complete as it stands now, it's there's sort of it's always sort of a, a rolling target, right? Because mini camps come up virtually next. But in your first uh, thoughts of OTAs with Sean Payton being in charge, now we're through that that second stage. What's the difference between the first and the second in Payton's level of control and the way the team seems to be reacting to him? Well, you know, a lot of it is it's teaching. It's it. You know, there's high-volume reps, which is great. As a coach, you want to get as many reps as possible because everything's being filmed, right? You know, you have 90 players on your roster right now. You have two different fields. So a good portion of the time, guys are working in on both fields, right? You're going to have your group of guys here. It could be ones and twos perceived, threes and fours perceived on the other field, so on and so forth. But there's consistent rotations. It's like every position group has... They're guys, okay, these guys are going to get the first reps, but then, like, hey, four or five reps from now, these guys are going to come in and replace. And it's just getting guys reps so the coaches can go back after practice, watch the film, and then they go and they teach. Now, Thursday's practice uh, for the final OTA practice overall was a little different than everything else because it was teachable. You didn't get to see as many high-volume reps as we've been accustomed to seeing the first couple of weeks because Sean Payton really wanted to emphasize situational football. And... Peyton said, you know, we got 45, 46 plays, you know, that somehow pop up every single year in the NFL, maybe once a year or maybe once every two years, but you have to know how to react in that situation. And he wants every player on the team to understand the importance, why we're doing this drill, why we're simulating this strategy, and here's our landmarks, here's how we need to do it. That's what we saw on Thursday. Cortland Sun said, you know, he's like, I don't know why he told you 43. We got 78 on the board that he talked about. So he only told us 43. But uh, just a different setting overall. Sean Payton is in complete control of everything that's going on with this team. And it, like I said, it, it's refreshing to see because I felt like with Nathaniel Hackett, everything was a little bit more he delegated a lot to his coaches, right? So right. he could spend time with the offense. Sean Payton is spending time with every position group when they go through individual period. There's times he's he's walking around, he's he's engaging, he's working with the tight ends, the DBs, the linebackers. Like he's going around to everything, so he's got his hand in everything that's going on, and it's really just kind of echoing. This is what I want for my team, and he's preaching that message to his coaches, and those coaches are communicating it to the players, and they're seeing how it's done. It's it's business, it's educational, which is good. There's some excitement with that, but Sean, you and I know this very well. We can be excited. Broncos fans can be excited themselves, but it has to translate into success on the field, which I want to asterisk right here on the show. It could take some time. It may yeah. not just be right away. So I, I do want to put it out there to Broncos That's fans. That's a good point because these are – 
building blocks. And unfortunately, because of the Broncos' tendency in the last few years to hire first-year head coaches, uh, these are guys, there's a vast difference here between what, what they had and with Sean Payton. And so uh, the idea is this sounds revolutionary all of a sudden to, to Broncos fans, yeah. but it's not. No. It's actually the it's way old most teams do it. It's an older school it's Bill approach. Parcells. Uh, yeah, Bill Parcells. There, there's, you talk it's about sort of the, uh, the tree, right, the coaching tree, and, and the differences will – Sean Payton's is close to a mini-me of Bill Parcells. Less of the tree and more of a, a clone yeah. in many ways. And so they're, they're working on those building blocks, but that's a good point, too, because I try to say the same thing and preface it with Broncos fans, that uh, there's reasons to be excited because the train is finally moving in the right direction. Yep. That doesn't mean it's anywhere near its destination. Correct. And you have to be able to just start putting one foot in front of the other. In that case, that's what these sort of situational football uh, scenarios are. And while you think in June, what does it really matter? Of course, all you have to do is look at the execution under Hackett to find out that, yes, they do matter. And so as many times as you can get them in your head, that's good. So we see that from Sean Payton going on uh, in the early going, and we will see more of that in the minicamp because, as he pointed out, uh, the difference between the OTAs and minicamp is minicamps will end with a whistle. A little bit more of a a, a, a practice-type scenario. I I will say he had a great answer because, you know, one of the local antagonists here in this market that's (laughs) completely insufferable tried to bait him into seeing whether or not the last day of minicamp, they're going to do a field day or a of course. Day. That's really what the angle was. So I was glad when Peyton said, like, he's like, how do you how do you see it? And he's like, with a whistle. Like, duh, everything ends with the whistle right. in practice there. Uh, but really the difference as well, and he kind of told us at the beginning of his presser on Thursday, it's going to be a lot of the same with what we've seen at OTAs, except it's going to be longer. They get more time during mandatory minicamp because it's the last hurrah. So Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, it's going to be longer practices, which I'll be at. It's open to the media. I'll be at Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's practice with complete written coverage, video recap right. as well. You can check that out, milehighsports.com, also on the, the Facebook page, Twitter, you know, whatever platforms you have. But it's really just going to be more, hey, let's continue to build on the things. And, you know, I think a lot of people think – Okay, after mandatory minicamp, they have 40-something days off or 30-something days off before they have to report for training camp. It's not like, hey, go on vacation. It's, look, you got to keep st- doing some things, right? It's, it's like a routine, right? You yeah. do something for so long, which the, these guys have been doing tremendously for like the last two months here. They've been in a routine. So when you get off your routine, do you fall back into maybe It's some less old about habits? being off and more about yeah, individual maintain, study, keep right? Doing I mean, stuff. you have yeah. to make sure that you're staying on top of your game, 100%. whether it's studying whatever you want to study. In shape. But, right. I mean, all these things matter, and, and there are expectations for those. But uh, the the big news of the week, of course, Frank Clark, former uh, three time Pro Bowler with Kansas City, signed to the Broncos on a one year deal with incentives that could bring it all the way up to seven point five million, of which the Broncos, I presume, would be delighted to pay if he hit all those benchmarks. <laughs> uh, the concern with Frank Clark is, of course, uh, if he was still the, the player that, that uh, he had been with the Chiefs, the Chiefs presumably would be keeping him. Uh, they went ahead and moved on. Uh, some numbers moved down. Uh, next-gen stats, when you're looking at his pressure rate, last year, 9.2%. That's 17th among edge defenders. Now, that's not terrible, but it's not really Pro Bowl caliber. Uh, we've seen a sacks rate of 1.2%. That was the lowest since 2016. Pressure rate has gone down a little bit in each of the last three seasons. Uh, this is not, at 29 years old, the guy that maybe you saw at 26 years old. But for the Broncos, it still marks as an upgrade because, of course, after moving on from Von Miller and then Bradley Chubb last year, uh, the injury situation with Randy Gregory, which is always lingering in the shadows. He's never had more than 12 games in a year he's played. And we're talking about uh, Baron Browning, who we'll get to in a moment and his surgery. Adding Frank Clark was less of a luxury and more of a necessity and the mm-hmm. hope that he can 
least reach back at the age of 29 and maybe turn back the clock a little bit. Yeah, and, and the one role that he's going to play, he's not going to play much outside linebacker. He's going right. to hand down. They brought him in because, you know, I think a lot of people saw, okay, well, he's going from a 4-3 defense to a 3-4 well, in the 3-4, you have Zach Allen as a DN. You're going to have Frank Clark as the other DN. You're going to have DJ Jones in the middle. And then you're going to have your two edge guys, which I'll, I'll say, I'll preface it by saying, if Baron Brown is not ready for the regular season, it's going to be Randy Gregory. It's going to be Jonathan Cooper more than likely. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. But but for Clark, I think one interesting note to maybe look at, I know that there was previously, you know, in the last couple of years, there were some concerns, I think, two off seasons ago about some off-the-field stuff, um, things like that that have now been cleared with the league. So. Mm-hmm. He's in a good place. The Broncos would not have made this move if, in fact, there was something that could be looming that could cost them eventually. So I want to keep that fresh in the minds let of me, people. Let me note, though, so too, people yeah. do know, uh, we're talking about a, a domestic violence charge that was reduced to disorderly conduct. That was back in, uh, actually, prior to 2017, but it, it sparked back up when he uh, got angry with a reporter that asked about it. But still, that was uh, it was reduced, and so there's still a bit of a, a blemish there. Uh, felony home invasion charges, uh, rest on gun charges in March and June of 2021. So uh, there are there are some red flags that are, yeah. that are real there. It's a risk. Obviously, it's a the, the Broncos risk. feel okay with it, but it is a one-year deal. Uh, Sean Payton is not one of those guys that is necessarily afraid of taking those gambles. I mean, you can obviously look back at Bill Parcells' teams over the years and oh, at yeah. his own Saints teams and have not been afraid of taking taking some chances there, but there, there is a calculated risk in the, in the person. And there's a calculated risk in the player. If that drop off continues, then you may not get that substantial an upgrade. But to my mind, I look at it with Browning's injury and originally the, the, the surgery he had to his meniscus that one that went recently thought that that will have him ready for, uh, some part of training camp mm-hmm. now only about a, you know, within a day that cycle changed to hope he'll be ready for the regular season. My background in the league is when I hear, hope people are ready for the regular season. He's not going to be ready for the regular season. And we've seen for the Broncos now, and we'll get into it in a moment, even with uh, Sean Payton, and it's, it hasn't really changed, the Broncos still have uh, either unrelenting optimism regarding their injuries, or they're willing to maybe put up a little bit of a smoke screen. Because the presumption is, Aaron Browning is not going to be ready for the regular season. That's the safe bet. The Broncos knew that. Yeah. That probably forced their hand into going and signing Frank Clark. So without Browning in that regard, who does also not just edge rush, but plays a traditional linebacker, how does that change the setup for the Broncos? You know, I obviously, if, if Browning is not ready to go, that's one of your key role players. But that's where, okay, hey, Jonathan Cooper, who, in my opinion, Sean, I'll be honest, I think he's kind of been the star of OTAs from week one, week two, and week three. He's the one guy that has constantly stood out in my mind, not just because he's wearing the new number zero, but because he's constantly generating pressure. Now, I can't go into, like, detail specifics about what he does, but in terms of disrupting the flow and dis- disrupting the development of the offensive play, I mean, he's consistently disrupting maybe a quarterback having a clean pocket. You know, you can't. there's not a lot of contact allowed right now between offensive right. linemen, defensive linemen. So a lot of this is just, hey, hand engagement, athleticism. But, man, he's got a tremendous motor, and this is something we've seen for the last three years from Jonathan Cooper. He's been a key role player for them coming off the edge, but now with the expectation it wasn't going to be Baron Browning and Randy Gregory to start if Browning is, in fact, not ready to go. They're hopeful he's going to be ready for that week one game, but then they're just going to, like I said, they're, they're waiting to see how things progress in his development because Randy Gregory suffered a torn meniscus last year as well, week four. Right. We didn't see him come back till week 15. So these things do take time. It depends on the nature of the surgery, but from what I'm told from someone close to Barron, he's, he's actually making pretty good progress, but 
there's a difference between making progress after surgery versus like getting back on the field and doing the things your position many, needs. Many, many steps. So the Broncos are going to be smart with it. And obviously, their new uh, VP of player health and performance coming in, their new strength and conditioning emphasis, they're not going to rush him back. And that's the smart move. And look, they got a multitude of rushers right now, but it is also a great opportunity for them if Browning's not available. Look, if Cooper starts, now you get a chance to see a little bit more what Nick Benito can bring to the table for them. Right. They need to see that from him this year because despite being a late second-round pick last year, he didn't get much playing time, but there were some times we saw some flashes from him. But now is the time for Benito to take the next step further. Oh, and there's an undrafted guy who pretty much redshirted all of last year, and Christopher Allen coming out of Alabama, who could be a complete wild card that nobody's talking about yet. We are excited to see maybe what he's going to bring to the table in training camp because we didn't get to see it last year. He was not able to participate. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about a guy like Jonathan Cooper, who would have been, by the way, former seventh-round pick, would have been a third-round pick, yes. uh, except for the heart ablation that he had to have coming out of Ohio State. So they're, they're talking about the Broncos getting a talent there that, that was far higher than the draft selection in which he was picked. But the, the concern, obviously, is you do need pass rush, and we're talking about a lot of could-bes and maybes, yeah. and obviously that's one of the concerns. There's a lot of uh, reasons for optimism, but optimism, uh, uh, potential, as they say, gets you fired. So yeah. it's production yeah. the you Broncos will be it. looking for going forward. I, I will say this, though. like Outside of just your – when people think of pass rush and pressure, they think – they're mainly thinking guys coming off the edge. Denver needs more of it on the defensive interior. They need Correct. a defensive end. And last year, to be honest with you – when Draymond Jones was on the team, they were generating a lot of when, – when he and DJ Jones, Bradley Chubb was still on the team, when they were healthy, that was a unit that was generating interior pressure. You lose Draymond in free agency. Well, you get a guy in Zach Allen in free agency who had 25 quarterback pressures in just 13 games, obviously had one less sack than Draymond. You have him. He's got a high motor as well. He's going to be there. Now you add in Frank Clark, and you have DJ Jones coming back And, as and Frank well. Clark on a make good. Yes. One year at the age of 29. This is a like, career that's a good risk. This is a, uh, a sort of a career point here yeah. for, for Clark. He, he plays well. He'll get a contract. He'll, he'll be a guy because, look, Denver. He, he doesn't. He's bouncing around the league. What was it I last mean, this week? This is make or break. Two weeks ago, you and I were talking about who's the other defensive end opposite of Zach Allen. We were talking about Matt Hennigson. We were talking about Inomo right. Wazarike. Now, this allows these guys to develop a little bit more. And, look, they could even still play a rotational role, which could still have a big impact. But now you don't have to worry about, like, okay, hey, is this second year player going to rise? to the occasion as a starter, well, now you have a guy in Frank Clark. And I do want to point out in the postseason, that's where the Broncos are hoping to get back to, right? In the postseason, Frank Clark has had very productive numbers, 13.5 career sacks in the postseason and four years with Kansas City, 10.5 of those sacks came there as well. So big production when it matters most, you need that. And you know what? I, I, I made this analogy as well, Sean. I was thinking about it. Remember when Roger Goodell was shown after the Super Bowl, was talking with Frank Clark, and he's like, I don't care how you hit the quarterback. Is that going to apply even if he now plays for the Denver Broncos versus for him playing for Kansas City, is Roger Goodell going to care how he hits the quarterback now? Because remember that, that last game the Broncos played against the Chiefs, late in that game the Broncos were driving, and it was like the fourth down play, and like Russell Wilson got suplexed by Frank Clark. Right. If that happens to Patrick Mahomes, is that a, you know, is it'll, that, is that a penalty? A, uh, yes. Yes. Yes, it <laughs> What if be. Frank Clark does that to Patrick Mahomes? It'll be a penalty. Oh, Count man. on it. I hope that's A couple case. good points you brought up, too, and we'll go with it over the course of the, the, this podcast. But, I mean, to understand right off the, the bat, you talked about interior pressure. Uh, statistically, you know, you, you get the sack totals, and that's one of the things I like to try to tell people in, in football. Sack totals are cool. They're not what's actually important. Uh, sacks cause punts. Pressures cause turnovers. Uh-huh. It's pressures that you want. Those are the things that force mistakes. So I think for the, for 
when you look at it from a fan standpoint, it's a little bit like we watch the Denver Nuggets right now in their championship run uh, that they're trying to make, and your Nikola Jokic can't play defense because he doesn't block a lot of shots. Well, <laughs> you know, when you're disrupting shots by contesting, that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. And so in football, it is pressures that matter more than sacks. And so keep that in mind, and that can be done, by the way, in these OTAs and minicamps. You can still get pressures. Yeah. I just can't get the sacks. They've That's simulated okay. a lot of and that, too. moreover, pressure right up the middle is statistically most the most disruptive pressure. Uh, your Tom Brady's of the world, the great the greats of the great, gets disrupted by pressure right up the middle. That's where the Broncos need to focus. Well, with that money going to Frank Clark, the idea that Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette or insert fantasy football running back that you've been intrigued about on the Denver Broncos here, those aren't happening, but... Before we throw all the cold water on that, I guess I want to go back to the idea with the Broncos and their smoke screens about injuries. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about Javante Williams out there in drills, not in full practices, but in drills. Far ahead of schedule, Mm -hmm. right? But now, through leaks either by Cook's agent or from the Broncos, because that's how Adam Schefter works, the Broncos as being interested in Dalvin Cook was put out there. So why would that be? If Javante Williams is on schedule to be back, which you and I have for a long time thought that was not likely to be the case, to be ready for the regular season. But if he is, for example, ready to come back in the regular season, you sign Samaji P. Ryan, an excellent compliment for him. Uh, What would you need one of those running backs for anyway? Why would the Broncos let it be known they'd be interested? Well, you know, interest... Interest and then pursuing are two entirely different right. things. You know, like obviously they'd be interested in a guy interested like Dalvin in Cook. Charlie's Theron, but one hundred percent that doesn't mean all that much. Right, <laughs> that's a great analogy there. <laughs> but obviously there might be interest, but not to the point now where I think there's going to be an aggressive pursuit. Right, and as of the time that we're recording this, he has been released officially by the Minnesota Vikings. He's free to sign with any team by as late as today if he wants to. And all signs are pointing to Miami now. I from Miami, from Opelika, 100%. talked about when he played there last year it was a dream come true. Florida State, right? You know, you you look at that and you look at Mike, Mike McDaniel and you look at this Dolphins offense that is they love running backs. Dalvin Cook immediately becomes the top running back right. on that roster in Miami. That also has Tyree Kill. You know, you have Tua coming back into this year who's got a little bit bulkier. You've got Jalen Waddell. I mean, you have weapons galore, and then you have a really damn good defense, theoretically, on paper. Now you have a defense coordinator, Vic Fangio. Well, that's a playoff team. I mean, right there, it's like, where where do you want to go? Where do you want to go to Denver where it's like, all right, your role may not be the primary back. You may have to split carries. I don't know if that's the, the path that maybe he wants to take. I think maybe being closer to home is probably there. But then again, as of the time that we're recording this, I, I don't expect Denver to aggressively pursue him. There's going to be interest, I'm sure. You make, You're the, call. make the call. You call the agent and say, hey, you know, what are you looking for? You know, is this going to be a good fit? The agent's going to say, you know, he wants to go here or this is what he's looking for. You look at where Javante is expected to be. You also have Samaje, who you signed in free agency, who Samaje is very capable, comes from a winning team as well. But I also like Jaleel McLaughlin. Jaleel looks yeah. unbelievable so far at OTAs. We'll see if that carries over into training camp when the pads come on. And then you have Tyler Beatty as well, who, whose first touch last year in the NFL went for a touchdown um, out of Mizzou. Obviously, he and I, Mizzou grads here. He, um, he's also a player that they're very high on as well. And right there, that makes about five running backs on the roster. So do you need to bring in another guy? Not necessarily. Do the Broncos need Dalvin Cook? No. Would would it be a, a luxury addition? Yeah. It's like, you know, if I go to the store. But to me, that's, that's spinning rims buy? on a car that yeah. still have misfiring its engine. And, I mean, in my I, opinion, I don't bother with it yet. I firmly, this is just my opinion. I know a lot of people, a lot of Broncos fans want him. But in my opinion, it's like, I don't think they need him. They don't Moreover, need him right the, the, He's, He'd be a great up, addition, though. You brought up the salient point. Uh, and it's, it's not fun for Broncos fans to hear it. What's the sales pitch for the Broncos? 
there are a dozen other teams that could use Dalvin yeah. Cook that are in playoff position. If you're the Broncos, we're like, well, we're the third and fourth, Watch the third Chiefs or fourth best now. teams in our division. <laughs> we're in the division with the defending champs. Uh, we've had umpteen losing seasons in a row. We switched out our coach. We our quarterback appears to be de- in decline. Definitely come to Denver. Uh, unfortunately, right now, Broncos fans, the Broncos sales pitch is not strong. Nope. They, when you're in those spots, the only way you get those type of players is you overpay. And if there's one thing the NFL is making very clear, why Dalvin Cook is out there, why Ezekiel Elliott is out there, why Leonard Fournette is out there, you do not overpay for running backs. You end up regretting it. You end up with these situations. Well, remember uh, when Melvin Gordon signed, everybody was freaking out about what the Broncos paid him. Now, here I have a unique stance. It's not going to be popular. I do think that you should pay running backs, even though the, the NFL and like organizations do not value it. It's because you look at offensive production. These guys take the most contact out of anybody, and they also produce you the most points. So it's like you look at Austin Eckler in Los Angeles. For me, I'm like – why won't they pay this guy? This guy literally has accounted for more than 65% of their offensive production in the last three seasons. Uh, but the, the optics on, well, if you pay a guy this much, you know, because it's such a physically demanding it's the position, wear and tear, yeah. the wear and tear, you know, you may pay for a guy and then his best years might be behind him because of that. I mean, I understand that, but it's like in terms of value and production, it's insane that running backs actually don't get paid. I mean, minus the Derrick Henrys of the world, but yeah, in, in my opinion, yeah. I mean, there's that. Ezekiel Elliott got a massive contract. He has not yet had any interest from other teams out there. And obviously our producer is shooting us right now. Neil Apiro is like, yeah, good, goodbye, Zeke. You know, he's, a, he's a diehard <laughs> Cali- Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys fan, but he hates him right now because it's, you know, a world of suck. But, yeah, you're right. The sales pitch for Denver isn't like we're going to promise you this because there's a lot of stuff that has to change. Right. But I can I – can, confidently say I think Denver's heading in the right direction. I just think it's just going to take some time. Yeah, I do too. And keep in mind, the average NFL career is about 3.3 seasons on average. Running Three backs, and a half more than mine. Sit under two, <laughs> slightly under two. And so that's why, in general, the wear and tear, the, the, the pay doesn't make sense to pay those guys those big second contracts. And that's why you end up with these situations. Let's move over to uh, one of the players that... Uh, George Payton, or pardon me, Sean Payton. Uh, too many Paytons. There were uh, three Paytons at practice. Three Paytons. Yesterday. There was Sean, there was Payton, Manning, and then there was George Payton. Okay. Are there other Paytons? Can we get more Paytons? Maybe. Well, What's Payton Hill is doing? Can we get him? What's he doing? I don't know. He's, he's gotten he's he's got, now. He's gotten better, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, there's, there's more Paytons. We can find more Paytons. <laughs> but the Denver Broncos' uh, Sean Payton uh, did take a moment to... Give some credit to Jerry Judy. Talked about, of course, in the draft parlance, uh, loose hips, uh, landmarks on the field. Explosive. Uh, explosive. But, again, the idea that Jerry Judy might have been available for trade was only if the Broncos were blown away with some sort of crazy deal. Because it is very clear, and this is not going to come as, as news to uh, some Broncos fans, but to others it is. Uh, Jerry Judy is wide receiver one. No longer Cortland Sutton. This is Jerry Judy is, is the top guy in the group, and all you have to do is look at the comments of Sean Payton to find out yeah. anymore. Yeah, I mean, what Jerry can do inside Payton's offense I think is, is special. The potential, like what you can see there, I think not only just makes opportunities more fluent here for Jerry, but I also think for guys like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, I mean, they have so much depth at wide receiver right now. They have guys that can make some plays here. And, you know, I even think the thing about Sean Payton as well. He even talked about it. He's like, you know, I told him, like, you know, hey, I'm going to – I'm going to be on you. I'm going to ride you. I'm going to be hard on you. But that's what any great coach does. Yeah, talked about how a couple of the catches were pinkies together instead of thumbs together, as a yeah. matter of fact. So they're getting into that uh, meticulous uh, detail just this small early. details that yeah. can make you know, big changes overall. And look, Jerry's a super talented guy. The drops haven't been an issue really since his rookie season, which and, has been promising. And by the way, that was really only in 
One game. One game, right. <laughs> so, I mean, a game, the, and he met with the media after the game, which I, I, I give him so I much credit for because you know how hard it is in a moment like that where you get back to your locker and your phone's blown up and you're seeing everybody tweet about you and say this about you and you go and you face the media. Like, yeah, it happens. Like, hey, sometimes you have some moments like that in the NFL, but Jerry's a special guy. I'll tell you this, though. Corlin Sutton looks good. He looks good. He looks bigger in his upper body. Like, his shoulders and his arms, he looks yoked right now. He's been one of those guys that has been consistent all throughout OTA so far. He's getting married next weekend, so congratulations to him and his fiance. You got to look good in that tux. Absolutely. You gotta, you know, but do the work. And then you have Tim Patrick coming back as well. Who you know, I asked Cortland on Thursday. You know, what's it like having him back? You know, being as a guy who's had an ACL injury, has gone through that process, and, and Tim's really been very instrumental behind the scenes, like all throughout last year. I don't know if many people know this, Sean. But after Tim had his surgery, like, you know, you attack your rehab at the team facility and things like that. But there were times he'd go on the road with the team. And he, would, he took on this mentorship kind of coach-like role behind the scenes that not many people really know about. Um, and so for, for Tim to make the progress he's made, I'm excited to see these guys all back on the field together. Yeah, and Russell Wilson, of course, never got a chance to play. Nope. With Tim Patrick, and of course they've added Denzel Mims, Man, so we'll see so nice. uh, what else is there. But certainly no KJ, shortage of Marquez, weapons. Callaway. Yeah, Callaway is there. You know, we'll find out with Hamler in his injury situation. But they're again wide receiver, another one of those spots where you kind of hear you could go get this guy. Look, the Broncos aren't. Don't worry about the guys that are perform well in fantasy. Or yeah, you've seen them well. Madden, you're playing folks. within Madden, right? I mean, it's not going to happen. The big name guys. Uh, what the Broncos have now, especially after adding Frank Clark, is basically what they're going to have. The money that's left, roughly three, four million, depending on calculation, is going to be kept in case of emergency, in it, case yeah. there's an injury or that situation. So let's touch on something that we didn't get a chance to before, and that was the the return of Kareem Jackson. And uh, Caden Stearns, who is working his way back from a bit of an injury as well. But the idea here seems to be that Caden Stearns is going to have an opportunity to claim this position. He has the ability to claim this position. But if he doesn't, they have a reliable option, if not as explosive as he used to be in Kareem Jackson back there. How do you see that safety position opposite Justin Simmons playing out, even though I know it's early June? Yeah, you know, I think right now if I had to put you know, anything on it. I'm, I wasn't going to say put money on it because uh, obviously NFL players can't gamble. That's a big you're not, topic You're, you're right not now. in the NFL. But me, luckily, I can gamble. Yeah. But if I had to say, I, I think it's going to be Justin Simmons and Caden Stearns who start, but that doesn't mean that Kareem's not going to play at all. Kareem's going to play pretty a significant role, you know, and it, there could be times where when Kareem comes in, maybe Caden slides into the slot. Maybe he slides, like, they can do so many different things to be creative. And especially when they play teams that love to go empty, you know, spread out the personnel a little bit, mix and match maybe your opportunities. If you have, um, you know, if there's a time where you need to play in the dime, you know, you have K1 Williams. Okay, well, hey, you have K1 and you have Kareem Jackson inside the, the slot there playing against the run and also being able to cover a little bit versus, you know, Kareem having to play back in space and having to, you know, cover vertical routes or corner routes or anything like that. Kareem can still play at a high level. Um Caden Stearns looks good, though. They want to see what he can do. He had a really tremendous play. I can't tell you exactly what he did and, and everything like that, but he made a massive play on the football in Thursday's practice at OTAs, and Sean Payton was asked, and I love that Sean Payton mentioned this because, you know, I, we say this sometimes just because it's like cliche, like talk. Right. Like we always talk about um, take the next step, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's that cliche term. He said, you know, for Caden, the goal for him is to stay healthy, uh, to build on this momentum that he's created this offseason because he's looked really good. Upper body, he's bigger. He's he's more massive, more bulked, and then he still maintains his athleticism, which you always have those questions for a guy who's coming off reconstructive hip surgery. Can he still move his hips? Can he 
flip and, and turn and run with the receiver, he can, and he's been doing that at practice. So that's a great sign for him. Here was what Peyton said exactly. For him staying healthy and then taking a little bit of this momentum, confidence is born really out of demonstrated ability. What a quote. It is. You can hope for confidence or say I'm going to be confident, but it's only born from demonstrated ability. Plays like that, you can have a – you've all seen a preseason game where someone excels, and then all of a sudden you have a different player. You can point to a certain moment. He's one of those types of players. I like what you brought up with the slot because one of the things that I think is interesting is while I am bullish on Damari Mathis, we're talking about a mid-round pick being asked to start. If necessary, if the, the career growth doesn't happen to go the way people would like, you can still slide K1 Williams out and now you could play some combination when you have this when you need a player in the slot of Stearns and Jackson and not necessarily put as much weight on Mathis. So you also allow Mathis to continue to grow at his at his uh, correct yeah. rate and not have to push that as well. So there's an advantage in bringing Kareem Jackson there back, even though it's not actually even at his position yeah. because of the abilities of Stearns and to a lesser extent, uh, Justin Simmons, who we've seen in the slot at times uh, before in his career yeah. as well. So you have some flexibility. You almost have a three safety rotation that you can move around and get a little more flexibility. Uh, that will be advantageous for Vance Joseph. Who's not to mention PJ P.J. Locke can, right. can even play a role. Is that maybe that dime backer in certain situations? And we haven't talked about Riley Moss. Yeah, Ry- Riley's going to be a little bit in the mix as well. He'll probably play the, the projected role right now here for this year, right? I imagine he's going to play some defensively. I, I mean, it's obviously way too early to speculate what he's going to do, but he will play a lot of special teams this year. Um, Jaquan McMillan is another cornerback name people need to keep their eye on. Got, obviously, the start late last season for the Broncos. Held his own against Mike Williams. Got robbed of an interception. Uh, but he's been also a guy that's been making plays at camp and has been standing out as well consistently. And they got a lot of high hopes about Jaquan, who was an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, I'm going to meet with Christian Parker next week, Broncos defensive backs coach, kind of sit down with him one-on-one and kind of talk about his experience with the accelerator program that he was just part of, the defensive backfield, what he's seen with some of these young guys as well. And, you know, for him, he's been on – you know, for the, with the Broncos for three different coaching staffs. And, you know, what's the difference between obviously like Vic Fangio, you know, coaching with the Giro Evero and now, you know, having Sean Payton as the main guy in the building. To me, I'm excited about that. There's a lot of things that Broncos country needs to keep their eye on. And that's why we'll have it covered here at Mile High Sports. He is Cody Rourke. Uh, you can follow him on Cody Rourke NFL. And, of course, uh, our man that's at the tip of the spear for all Broncos coverage is here, along with joining me on this podcast once a week. Uh, OTAs are in the books. A mini camp's now right around the corner, literally, as if you were to look at the calendar and there's a corner at the weekend. Here we come. See where we so, go. Yeah. yeah. So, mini camp right around the corner. Uh, what do you expect to see starting next week that you haven't? What would you like to see next week that you haven't? Well, you know, usually in OTAs, everything's voluntary, right? Next week's mandatory, but for the most part, Devers had everybody there. Everybody has been there. Obviously, you know, we were wondering New about coach, Baron Browning. Voluntary. For those of you who are watching this yeah. on the video, uh, finger quotes, voluntary. Voluntary. Uh, yeah. well, especially it, if you're a it's guy. It's voluntary, just like if you'd like to keep your job, that's also voluntary. If you're an undrafted rookie <laughs> free agent or a first-year, yeah. second-year player, it's like, yeah, you better be at this because that's your best way to make an impression. You're going to get the more reps, more opportunities at, at that point. Mandatory minicamp, I think it's just going to be more extensive practice, more installation, maybe ramping things up just a tiny bit more. Um, but overall, a little bit of the same from OTAs, except, you know, hey, this is it. They want to get quality in these three days, like the best quality they've had all, all offseason, and they want to build that, and they want to have momentum coming into training camp, which is going to be very, very important. Obviously, late in July, we anticipate there. Obviously, we'll be there every day, sweating, getting sunburnt. You know, we need a sponsor, like a sun screen sponsor here for this podcast because yeah, i mean i got sunburned last week but that's that's because that's because i shaved my head i'm it's, resorting uh, it's very dangerous i'm resorting now to just wearing long sleeves 
on Arizona. Gilligan is Island Bucket Hat. Is might that as what's well. next? Yeah, might as well do might it. Hey, you, you won't you won't look any worse. I mean, you know, we've we've been all out there with the media. <laughs> you know what they say so. I got a I got a voice for TV. <laughs> he is Cody Rourke. Make sure you follow him. Uh, hey, get out of my gig. <laughs> he has an opportunity to make sure to check out Cody Cody Rourke NFL, and of course, uh, you catch him Miley Sports everywhere. Radio, uh, you can catch him out uh, on uh, the podcast on this on this podcast right here. The videos that he's putting together. Uh, you are uh, sort of ubiquitous, my friend, and with very good reason. Always good to have an opportunity to talk to you about this on the Blitz. Always, always a fun thing, and looking forward to doing this. Also, we have some really cool stuff coming in the future here. Mile High Sports in terms of me doing some stuff about the Broncos. Stay tuned with that. Sean Drotar and myself will have you covered. Yeah, there's some good stuff coming up as we get into an important offseason for the Denver Broncos. That'll do it for us this time. We will be back soon enough with the next Broncos Blitz. Thanks for listening. For Cody, I'm Sean. This is a Mile High Sports production. Wet. Like 31 minutes. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.